0: You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27east.com, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. The program airs on WLIW FM 88.3 and 96.9 on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. and repeats on Sundays at 1 p.m. I am Bill Sutton, I'm the Managing Editor of the Express News Group. I'm joined today by my co-host Annette Hinkle, the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Annette.
1: Hey, Bill. How are you?
0: Our panelists today are our regular, Denise Savaletti, publisher and editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Chrissy Sampson, Deputy Managing Editor at the East Hampton Star. Good morning, Chrissy.
2: Hello and good morning.
0: And one of our favorite guests, Michael Mackey, from right here on WLIW, he's the local host for the Long Island Morning Edition. Good morning, Michael.
3: Good morning, all.
0: So um, let's let's start off talking about um, the um, talking about the upcoming elections, or the New York State gubernatorial race and the first congressional district uh, campaign, are in full force now that. Um, now that we know for sure who's running uh, for the first con- the congressional district. Um, Michael, if you want to you want to jump in and start off? What are what are you hearing?
3: Well, our local congressman, Lee Zeldin, the Republican Party nominee for governor, is uh, getting much publicity. If you read The New York Post, they've endorsed him and and they're giving him a lot of free pub and trying to raise his profile. The uh, the latest is he's complaining about Governor Hochul avoiding a debate with him, and uh, there are no scheduled debates between the two candidates at this time. There was some talk of there being a couple of debates on uh, Channel 11 in New York City, PIX11, and also CBS2, but they've not been confirmed and finalized. So Zeldin, of course, is the candidate with a lower profile in the state of New York, so he's seeking to get— um, attention, and certainly uh, televised debates would do that for him. So we'll see what uh, whether Hochul will actually debate him or not. One might ask, why should she? She's got, a, in some polls, a, 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 a lead of somewhere around 20 points. Some of the more conservative polling shows Zeldin closer. It's hard to tell, but it, it appears that it would be a great upset if Zeldin were to win. But For those of us old enough to remember George Pataki's first election where we must consider the situation and the possibility that our East End congressman could become the governor of New York state by the end of the year. And the first congressional district uh, race between Nicholas uh, J. Lalota and Bridget Fleming is interesting. Lalota representing the Republicans and Fleming the Democratic Party nominee because if Fleming were to win... She would be the first woman to be a congressman representing the first congressional district ever. I checked it back all the way to William Floyd, and there were no women. So Bridget Fleming, Bridget Fleming, our Suffolk County legislator, is, could make history out here on the East End. And uh, both the both the campaigns uh, promised to be in your face soon enough with uh, television ads and mailings and so forth. So that's why we bring it up today, just to alert you that it's a, it's a story and it's going to continue to develop and it could get a, a lot of national publicity especially if zelden makes it close and uh, we'll see the, the the in the first congressional district uh, I mean, it's a race, right? You folks tell me. Is there? I haven't seen the latest polling between Fleming and Lillota and where that stands. I haven't
0: seen any polling, but we—I mean, we were talking about it yesterday, and it, it seemed, you know, as they were talking about the redistricting maps and and that whole um, weird process earlier this year, it it looked like, um, you know, Bridget would certainly have an advantage. But I think with the final, with the final map, um, you know, that they came up with the. The district is is pretty much the same, the same as it's been as far as distribution, Republican and, and Democrat. And I think it's going to be a, uh, you know, a really a, a real race, a, a, a tight race, which I think Democrats were were hoping to um, you know avoid early on. There's a it,
2: national <clears throat> I was going to say there's a, a national poll about uh, the most competitive races across the country in Congress. And uh, the Fleming-Lalota campaign, uh, you know, race is one of them. Sure. It's it's you know the number two or number three most competitive congressional district race. I think I forget who is that poll came out of, but um, Bridget That's Fleming close. posted it on Instagram this morning. Wow.
0: wow. Well, well and it's interesting. It's interesting too because you don't have an incumbent, obviously, because Zeldin's running for governor, so it's really kind of you know up for grabs. I mean, usually if there's an incumbent in the race. They have they have some kind of advantage, you know, um, you know, moving forward. But it, it's really I mean, I, I think everybody out on on the East End knows knows uh, Bridget Fleming pretty well. Um, maybe not so much Lalota, but you know that this the this race is often decided um, in 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 the Western right um end end of the district and Brookhaven and Brookhaven Republicans and and all that. So it's going to be going to be pretty tight.
1: So do I mean, Do we have any? Do we have any sense what Zeldin might do if he does not win the governor's race? Like, what do we think? his next move might be. Has anybody thought about that or talked about that?
3: Well, I thought Zeldin's strategy was to run for governor. And even if he loses, he can um, characterize it as a valiant fight against the the liberal uh, left of New Mm -hmm. York. And he's our warrior and he'll move on to some other uh, position and he'll do some lawyering work in the meantime. And the Republicans will position him for another uh, candidacy, presuming it's relatively close. And and has anybody say
4: he's got he's got a job in the upcoming Trump administration?
3: <laughs> oh, my no. goodness. Please don't that, say that. That again. is my, my top <laughs>
1: guess. Um, Ooh, I should I turn that, my camera uh, off now?
3: <laughs> Secretary. I think, of, no,
4: uh, seriously. Like, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I don't think that's, no, that's the that's. Tail. I mean, no, it's you know, not. He was one of Trump's uh, attorneys and then, you know, defending him in the this first impeachment. Um, you know, I, Trump just went to or. Uh, yeah, I don't think he hosted, but he appeared at uh, a high price uh, fundraiser for Zeldin that was held in New Jersey, kind of ironically, I think. Um, and, um, you know, I think I think that's certainly a possibility. And um, I think that, uh, you know, there's always uh, the fallback of being a lobbyist, which yeah. all, you know, mm. members of Congress being, seem to end up doing
1: or joining a, a news network and being a yeah. Uh...
2: A
4: pundit,
3: uh, a pundit. pundit. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, on, he's on Fox a lot now, as it is. is exactly. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I don't anybody know. seen his email list? He sends out more emails than anybody I've ever covered in my
4: entire twenty-year career. I made a separate uh, folder in my in in my mail app for his uh, emails because they were cluttering up my inbox.
0: Well, he, he's he's got to send out a lot of emails because he doesn't talk to anybody, right? I mean, he doesn't. He certainly doesn't respond to. Uh, to east end and media. We've had, had that conversation. He he declines to be um interviewed for for a lot of uh things. I, I understand he's busy running a campaign, but this this um you know Even pre- before that though. predates the, the campaign. Yeah. I find it interesting that he's um that he's lobbying for a for a debate um you know with Kathy Hochul when when he seems to be so you know silent with uh with with media.
2: You uh, know and when um, Michael brought up the point about, you know, trying to get a debate on like picks 11 or something like that, that there's actually, you know, in conjunction with Emerson College in the Hill, there was a survey, a poll that said um, that Hochul continues to hold like a 15, uh, you know, 15 point lead over Zeldin. So I don't know that I didn't realize he would even, you know, want that level of you know that, that particular venue when they're there.
3: The strategy is to get a percentage of the vote of New York City. 30% right. is what they're shooting for. They don't, they don't expect to win it. But if they can get a significant percentage greater than, uh, than uh, in the past, then the path to victory would be through overwhelmingly uh, successful uh, upstate uh, voting for Zeldin. The, the, the strategy is to spend a lot of time in New York City, and he is. He's a, well, that, he's that's in interesting because
0: I think he spent a lot of time over the last year, you know, upstate and, and then right. New York, and and trying to get some name recognition up there. But I think you're right now he's got to he's got to find those uh, those those Trump supporters in you know in in New York City, which is, which is very the blue. law and
3: order war on crime strategy in New York. Your subways right. are not safe. You can't ride the buses. Vote for Zeldin and let's get these liberal. Uh, uh, the, the governor's out of here, and we'll we'll straighten out this whole state, and we'll eliminate the uh, cashless bail, and that's the whole strategy: law and order, and to make this, the cities of the streets of New York City safe again for you all, regardless of your race or ethnicity. And I,
4: I think I'll, that, well, like most elections, it's going to the results are going to depend on turnout.
3: Absolutely, yes.
4: who's motivated to go to the polls, and yes. I, you know, I think that. Uh, that's where I think as a candidate, Kathy Hochul comes up short as a Democratic candidate, yep. because I think that she is uh, in some ways, maybe a little too middle of the road, especially for people in New York City. Um, you know, she's not a progressive
3: Se, where is where I, is I AOC's you know. advocacy of her Democratic governor's uh, campaign? Mm. I don't I don't see her no. talking at all about. So uh,
4: I, you know, 100%. I think that's going to be a real problem for Hochul. Honestly, I mean, I think I, you have you know. a
3: point. I, so, I I I agree with you. I'm
0: I'm wondering though how much the um the the abortion uh, debate plays that, plays into that. That was kind of a curveball. Yes. I think that that is is really it's a, it's an issue that that is really em, em, em empowering and encouraging a lot of um um not not just women but um you know but um but left leaning voters to to maybe turn out to ensure um to ensure you know women's health rights um in the election and and overall not just in the governor's election but but everywhere as as that becomes a state issue um, so, you know, you know if, if Zeldin got in there, then, you know, all bets are off. Uh,
4: uh, right. Absolutely. You're absolutely. Well, Lindsey Graham,
1: like, that. introduced the legislation to um, put in a 15 week ban federally after you know. saying it belonged to the states to decide. So
2: Tuesday is National Voter Registration Day. I'll just say that. Thank
1: you.
4: For <laughs> saying, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the League of Women Voters out here is going to be tabling the heck out of it um all over the place so um and then there's early voting starting october 29th through november 6th
3: very good
0: i i think that early voting is just a fantastic thing that's Mm -hmm. kind of really taken off the, the 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 last few years as as somebody working for a newspaper with tuesday wednesday deadlines getting to the polls on a Tuesday, even though there were extended hours, always pretty difficult. And, you know, and it had to go out of your way and, and all that. And and the opportunity to be able to, to vote, you know, for, for the week preceding the election is just brilliant, I think, and gets a lot more people out to the polls.
3: So it promises to be an exciting campaign. And uh, who knows, maybe the... Uh, cnn and fox will be out here in the streets of uh, southampton village interviewing people asking them who they're going to vote for and why
0: I, I i imagine they will and we'll keep watching it for the next few weeks as i'm sure it's going to really heat up um and we'll just be seeing a lot more stuff i i just i know denise was shy about it but i wanted to mention that uh, kathy Hokel did uh, did run an, an ad this week that was critical of of Lee Zeldin and uh, and quoted, I think it was an editorial um, from from Riverhead, or Was it from an article?
4: No, I think it was an article. I didn't go back and look, but
0: from, from Riverhead. I local. think
4: we reported how he voted. He he didn't vote to certify the results and um and of the election um on January sixth or maybe actually the seventh. I don't know what time it was, but um. And so she took a quote from that. So uh, my husband was watching CNN the other night and like this ad comes on and he notices it says Riverhead local. That's great. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. And then I got to see it last night on another uh, news station, which
0: okay. predictably,
4: I guess was MSNBC. But <laughs> anyway. I thought that was pretty That was pretty funny. Maybe
0: That's that'll funny. draw a little extra traffic to your... To your
4: uh, I doubt it. It was so quick. It was like... You know, <laughs>
0: they had, have, had, have to have had have.
1: Pauses It's like your right. 15 seconds of fame. You didn't even get 15 yeah. minutes.
4: Yeah, right. No, it was more like five seconds. Five even. seconds. It was like a, a flash in the pan, but it was kind of cool. I don't
3: know. Um, well, I think the East Hampton uh, Star and Riverhead Local and uh, the Press Newspaper Group could get some mention as... The, the publications and the news organizations from the outside want an inside-out look at what's happening here. If yeah. this is one of the two or three most contested congressional elections in the country, yeah. it promises attention from the, uh, the national publications and who knows, the BBC. I, I
4: personally think they should uh, support local journalism with yes. some uh, advertising dollars for their campaign. <laughs> yeah. uh,
3: that's, well, you
4: know, that's hit or miss. All the time. Well,
3: don't election campaigns, local election campaigns, uh, uh, create new sources of revenue for local uh, publications?
4: The local ones do. But, the you know, I mean, Lee Zeldin running for Congress and other uh, has advertised on our site in the past. Um, but I don't know. I don't think we're getting anywhere with it. To uh, congressional candidates this year, I don't know. It's not my department, but well, they're, I they're, haven't seen any ads. Uh, is it Bridget Fleming
3: going to be posting ads? The Democratic Party and the Press Newspaper Group and the East Hampton Star and so forth.
4: I'm uh, not privy be. to those ads.
2: I don't know. Uh, All we, I know is that we got be. an ad. We got an ad from Facebook like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "What." <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'd be suspicious of that. Yeah. You know?
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway, you you hope you see some of that advertising. You know the 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 race the district's so large that I mean they've got to really spread it out and you know and all that. And yeah, I'm time hoping, hoping it'll trickle. Time times are different, Michael. I mean, it used to be that you know the the newspaper advertising was probably one of one of the you know their biggest avenues. You know, prior to prior to the internet and, you know, and all that. And now there's just, you know, so many different mm-hmm. um, ways for them to advertise that, that I'm sure the budgets get uh, get
4: Well, okay. so this is way behind the headlines, but yeah. like, I mean, what we find as a, a digital platform that, you know, advertisers, whether you're talking about, you know, anybody that deals with agencies, you know, yeah. ad agencies, they've got buckets, you know, they've got buckets for print and they've got buckets for digital. And unfortunately, for small digital platforms like ours, we're in the same bucket as like YouTube and Google ads and Facebook. So in a way that the print ads are not. So uh, you're you're still seeing print revenue that when it comes to, you know, digital revenue is not being spread around. So very locally like that. So as long as you've got that print revenue, you you might see some ads from people that, you know, other digital, like digital platforms, small digital platforms don't get. But. That's That's okay. We get get so much support from the local businesses and from memberships that, you know, we live on. So it's all good. Um, But anyway, it's going to be an interesting campaign season for sure. And uh, we're gearing up for it.
0: You are listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW-FM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group, joined by my co-host, Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. Our panelists today include Michael Mackey right here from wliw Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local and Chrissy Sampson from the East Hampton Star. Um, let's talk a little bit about Sag Harbor. So, so the Sag Harbor School District surprised everybody this week. They had been in negotiations for a year with um, with the. Say the park name because I always get it wrong. Mashashemio, 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 Mash (laughs) Mash Potato Park, as some people call it. Mash Potato Park, um, (laughs) to you know, to support a a multi-million dollar uh, renovation of the park, which um, supplies all the sports fields for the school district, which doesn't have any any um, of its own, or I think it has one field behind the high school. Um, and, um, and so there was this 12 million dollar project and voters were all set to vote on it in a, in a referendum, uh, next month. And then the school board, um, this week, um, put a, put a pause on that plan and said they were, um, in the works to buy, um, five properties on, is it Marsden street, Chrissy? Yes. Marsden street across the street from the, the junior, senior high school. Um, the district would be why, buying one of those parcels on its own and then combining with the Southampton town uh, Community Preservation fund program to purchase the other four with the intent of um of building a a, a sports <clears throat> complex um an an athletic park um you know for 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 the district um
2: and i don't I haven't seen. I think there's going to be a key element of community. Um, You know, like, will the community get behind this? I don't know how, to what extent it's a done deal. Um, I know there's a lot of support for it in the town um, and the district, but there are a couple of people, you know, a couple of houses already on Marsden street and, you know, with sports fields come PA systems and scoreboards that light up. And
4: And I just don't know.
2: And lights. Yeah. I mean, I think that, there, I don't think they'll do what they were going to do at the at the park with the, like those grand plans that they had. But well, I, I just wonder, I, and, I
0: and I think the district is saying right that the park plan is not done. That that, that right. most likely there will be a combination of the two. That the district will still support some, um you know, some redevelopment at the park, and 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 then something on on these own properties, right?
1: Yeah, I um, think it's it all about them wanting to get a turf field because the park was not open that idea from what I understand. And maybe buying these parcels is their, their way of getting the artificial turf field that a lot of parents and athletes are uh, have been asking for.
2: You know, at last conversation with Jeff Nichols, the superintendent over there in Sag Harbor, um, you know, as recently as like August, he was saying, you know, the community did vote overwhelmingly a few years ago to not have a turf field. Cause that's what they were debating behind you know for the one behind pearson right like on their property um and but i just don't know the direction they'll take on that well it's they haven't like unveiled I've, any
1: plans i feel like a lot of the parents that were anti turfield back then um have left the like their children have gone on gone to mm-hmm. college and they're not there so the thing that's so strange about school um, issues is they they evolve as parents and their kids age out of the system. And I'm not certain if the people that were very anti-Turf field back when that vote came up are the same parents who maybe want a turf field now. It may be a whole new generation, maybe more competitive. I I know that we've talked to people of sports writers in our office who say that for sports like field hockey, um, turf is sort of like the gold standard. standard. Right. So I, I um, think that another... certainly
0: could could be part of it. I, I think that that even I mean, in the last few weeks and before this was announced, there was a group of of parents and and residents who were um who were who I, I don't want to say they were unhappy with the park plan, with the mash park plan, but had had some concerns. And I think the turf field was 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 one of uh you know one of those issues um uh, there, but, another but,
2: issue was that um you know if they did this 13 and project at mash park you know as per a bond referendum in sag harbor schools the school district wasn't going to own any of that parkland it right. was still going to be you know it within the you know the parks and recreation association of sag harbor purview that with a long-term lease of proposed 17 years but you know, it's, a, you lot, still it's have, a lot of money going yeah. into something
0: you don't own and don't, what you don't have
2: what you don't own. control
0: over. Right. And and I think I mean to to at that point. I mean, what was the motivation? I I imagine you know that that this just kind of maybe dropped in in their lap. I I know that developers had been hoping to develop some of these parcels with you know with with large large McMansions that that were denied by the village regulatory boards um you know last year a couple of years ago what's um, on the parcels now
2: it's vacant they're, un- land.
0: they're
3: undeveloped um trees are so- just open yeah uh, it's
2: heavily wooded
3: yeah sounds Nosh nice to stuff. just leave it heavily wooded is that the end oh, of the oh, well, when, so you, when which, you
2: own a piece of
1: property and you're trying to make money on it he- yes. heavily wooded doesn't usually like help you
3: yeah go ahead chrissy uh, I'd forbid i forbid we gonna should
2: say Oh go well, ahead,
3: Michael. No, just thinking I'm just thinking aloud with you that heavily wooded sounds kind of nice. I yeah. don't know how which, we, which we wooded doesn't pay the rat, right? <laughs> which, <laughs>
0: which would be in 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 tune with with you know the the whole uh what, what the CPF is supposed to be and supposed to stand for and the preservation of of open space and and nowhere in and I'm playing devil's advocate here, um <laughs> but no nowhere in, in the CPF law does it say. You know, uh, sports fields, or or, you know, benefiting a a school district. This would this would certainly set a precedent if if CPF monies are used, um, you know, to 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 buy this land, which is later developed into a an athletic facility. I think it would be setting a precedent. I'm not. I
2: think that there is a recreational space component of the CPF doesn't say sports fields, but recreational fields well, Caitlin Riley reported like, that it
3: was done in East Quag about 20 years ago. and That, was, that wasn't, it CPF wasn't CPF money. money. There was yeah, no I, CPF money involved no, there at all? It was just town yeah. money.
1: But I think what's interesting, it's like it's always ever since the CPF was created, one of the things in Sac Harbor was that, you know, you're looking at a village that doesn't have a lot of open space. So right. that they maybe should come up with ways to be able to purchase properties because there's not a lot of open space and you have to sort of tweak the legislation to to allow municipalities that are already sort of heavily built um, to tap I, into I, some of that money.
0: I, I'm not opposed to the use of, of CPF money here personally. I, I think the the issue is going to arise um so if cpf money is is used then the district is going to have to guarantee that the public at large will be able to to use uh that facility in those fields and, and what are whatever they develop there and and i can see that being a little bit tricky and there's going to have to be certain guarantees um in in the contract i think to to make that happen i think if the district spends a lot of money on a turf field They're going to be protective of that turf field and not necessarily want um, the public using the turf field. Or if they build bathrooms there, are they going to be able to keep them open 24-7 for for the public? Or if they have fields that are fenced off, you you know, and and I think, look, people can go use, you know, facilities at other school districts and other high schools um, everywhere anyway during certain times, off hours or, or whatever. So I think it just needs to be built in some kind of guarantee that, uh, that if public money is used, then the public has, um, you know, great access.
3: What are the student population projections for the Sag Harbor School District over the next couple of decades? Isn't that a, a point of consideration?
2: You know, more do more,
3: more homeowners that only have the home in the summertime and the children go to school in the city. Is, will the number of students be reduced or more the uh, parents deciding to have their kids go to school in Sag Harbor and not in New York. is the, that a, The is pandemic that
2: a totally changed those sure. projections, you know, like there, there had been, and this came up when the Stella Maris building purchase um, was being debated. Of course that eventually got approved and uh, we, you know, the Sag Harbor learning center now, but um, one of the key elements was people opposed to it were like, well, Our projections are going down in enrollment why are we not dramatically but like to a degree and they're like why are we buying a building for you and then it wound up being fortuitous because you know the pandemic you know social distancing and like different space requirements but like you know the pandemic did change that and pearson has a reputation sag harbor school district has a reputation for kind of being like almost like a private school
0: yeah well, and I think, I mean, pro- projections as, as, aside, I mean, it, it's a matter of, you know, do you, do you want to utilize Match Park or or do you want to, you know, have, have your own fields? And, you know. And
1: it, unlike most of the schools out here, Pearson doesn't have the room for fields. I mean, Southampton right. has room. East Hampton has room. Pearson has never had room. So it's not even, I don't know if it's a matter of growth. It's just that it's always been sort of a condensed area where the the field is sort of tucked in behind it and there's only one. So they've always been sort of on an uneven playing field, so to speak, when it comes to the other big schools out here, bigger schools. That's a
2: great little pun, in it. Yes. (laughs) Glad that you
1: caught that. But, you know, the other thing I was curious about, it's interesting because you're talking about whether this is appropriate use for CPF money. Um, but then you also remember that Sag Harbor Cinema was able to get CPF money for its facade, which right. I don't know if that's happened anywhere else before or since. And that sort of kind of uh, <laughs> really uh, tested the laws for the, it, the legislation as far as what you can do with that money, right? It,
0: it did. It got some, I, I I think it raised some hackles with, with some people, but I mean, certainly you can argue that it's a great use and part of the CPF, um, you know, is, is is uh preserving you know historic um
2: historic architecture, right
0: yeah um and and so and, and it was an easement on, on on that facade so um i mean and it's so iconic to the village that that it's, i mean kind of hard to argue against that but but look i mean the you know people people will argue that the cpf got and i've heard this argument the cpf is just raised so much more money than anybody ever expected that it would over the years that it's kind of gotten out of control and, and has, has maybe lost its original purpose, um, which is why you saw them put, you know, put in water quality, you know, um, an extra 20% over recent years. Yeah. Can I,
4: can, yeah, I just a a slightly different perspective here that, uh, and this is pure fantasy because it's never going to happen, but I mean, the original purpose of the CPF was to preserve open space and to preserve the uh, Patonic estuary and the health of the estuary. And I feel like and I know that I'm not alone in this on this side of uh, the East End, the, the North, the North Fork, that, you know, it's the, inequ- the it's, it's unequal. It's like right. vastly unequal, especially when it comes to the town of Riverhead, which Believe it or not, it's part of the same estuary system <laughs> and um it's you know the, the it, i I think that this should be approached on a more regional basis, and I think uh-huh. that before the um the towns that are flush with cash on the South Fork go and spend money on other purposes that are maybe tangentially related, or yeah, maybe that you know if we can get away with that or what you know. Um, I think that it should be looked at on a regional basis and approached that way. Um, and that may actually mean spending money that's raised by land sales in Southampton and East Hampton for megabagillions. I just made up a word. Um, on. On on preservation on the North Fork. And, oh my! Know, and, sounds like socialism. And, and,
0: and uh, well, well, I, I, you know, well, I wonder. I, I mean, but so, that's so, never,
4: Let's just be clear. That's never going to happen, right? Well, I, know, I but,
0: mean, I mean, it can't, right? I mean, the way that the CPF was set up, it was divided among the well, five. Well, it could now. be.
4: The law could be changed. Just well, it like it changed the law to allow these other things. It sounds you know, like Denise is running for office.
1: So.
3: Just no, 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 not no. again.
4: <laughs> never, <Not>, never again. <laughs> never again.
3: Well, the lands on the South Fork are so much more expensive than yeah. lands almost anywhere else in the world. So it's,
1: yeah. isn't I think the it other thing is, it's like are, are we are we kind of buying up so much that now? there isn't as much left to buy, and that's why they're looking like, at some of these well, other are, options. I mean, uh, that's kind of that's what important. it
0: feels like. It's like, oh, what are we going to do with all this money? Oh, let's go buy, you know, school athletic fields or, or whatever. And,
3: Sounds like there's some land on Marsden Street that could be preserved. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 but, I love uh, the that, point Michael. you
4: made about dwindling. I mean, it's reality that school populations are dwindling on the East End, um, both because of the the, you know, summer home thing and and just older people buying houses that, uh, yeah. you know, and so you've got how can families of af- how yeah. can families afford to buy, you know, like a three
2: million dollar house and, you know, raise children here. And, you know, that's the other issue,
4: too. So yeah, That, that was a, big, a really good point you made there. I thought, I mean,
0: I, like, um, Michael, I, I, I think to Chrissy's point, though, too, that did change with the pandemic and you saw a lot more families um come out here and kind of flee the city but i think that's i think that's reversing course i think think all the people that came out here full-time are now going back to the city and they're going to be more weekends uh weekenders out out here and 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 all that and i I know michael michael you had talked about uh you you would you would send around before we came on the air you'd send around a, a a headline from new york times about Tumbleweed Tuesday and and what that means on 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 the east. And have we seen have we seen Tumbleweed Tuesday again this year for the for the first time in a, in a few years or um um are, do we think that that there's still a large population out here or how's that
3: how's that yeah out I really contend that Tumbleweed Tuesday and the phenomenon still exists. It's just proportional. There right. are, there are many more people who are out here and, and living and working during the uh, the 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 fall and winter than previously, but you still have that dramatic impact. You can hear the difference on the day after Labor day than the day before. i I spend most of my time between Southampton and Bridgehampton, and I would uh, leave Bridgehampton in the evening at around six or seven o'clock at night. During the better part of the spring and summer, and my 19-minute drive was often 80 minutes, yeah. or 90 minutes. Sometimes I'd get as far as the uh, the church in in Southampton, the Basilica at Sacred Hearts, and my home was about nine minutes away, and it would take me 49 minutes to get home. That's not happening since Labor Day. It's that's we still have a very heavy um, trade parade traffic in the morning and afternoon. That's be that's because. A greater proportion of people who live and work out here can't live out here, right. and that includes hospital workers and uh, and educators. So when school is back in session, the trade parade is pretty heavy. Construction traffic has slowed down uh, a bit. And during the day, I leave here at uh, the Southampton Village at nine o'clock in the morning. And in the uh, the spring and summer, I had to use all the back roads to get to Bridgehampton in a reasonable amount of time. Now, there are days when I can just drive on 27 eastbound and go ahead straight. And you can hear the difference. Now, that doesn't mean that and there's no what businesses uh, make as much money out here in September and October as they do in July and August. Virtually none. However, um, it is a challenge, though, to to continue to carry on your business because you've lost so many workers and it is busier and more demanding than it was before, especially on weekends. But it's not the same as a summer.
2: I was able to get a bagel at Goldberg's on Tumbleweed Tuesday in half the time it took me over the summer. There you so that's go. my that's my personal <laughs> sense
3: Thank you,
0: Christine. Is, <laughs> um, I need um, is the line. That's a good Gilbert. barometer, Christine. Okay, but it was raining hard on Tumbleweed right. Tuesday. I just want to that out. So I was, I I shot to work in and what in the summer can be an hour, hour and 15 minute ride in in a half an hour from Riverhead to Southampton. But how much of that was the rain and how much of that was Tumbleweed Tuesday? I guess we'll find out in in the next few weeks and right? also
1: are there going to be days like all the places that i wanted to go get like my breakfast here or that or this and it's like okay we're now closed yeah right monday through thursday <laughs>
0: close for the season close for the season <laughs> Wow. <Wah,
1: wah. laughs>
0: i don't think you see a lot of that though anymore do you i mean you see i don't well i think oh, you
1: yeah. I I do because question. all once all the college kids go back Stabbing, to school, right yeah. staffing it's becomes a challenge it's like yeah mm-hmm. i've seen some of that
2: you know michael brings up point. a good point about um you know the the exodus with you know regard to like health care what was the point you brought up just a few minutes ago about well, people
3: so many of so many people uh can't afford to live out here and i don't mean people that's, that's scrambling making minimum wage I'm talking about doctors are having difficulty sure, finding teachers, affordable housing and, and teachers officials. who make a pretty good theoretically make a pretty good living you would think affordable enough to live and work in the community in which they, uh, they, they teach, but it's, it's a challenge. So that affects healthcare as Christine's about to tell us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the East Hampton blood lab um, at Panago place is uh, closed starting Monday for like a month. And then the radiology services, the hours are being halved. Um,
0: They did that. They did the same thing in in Hampton Bays. at, oh, yeah? at the atrium um, a, a few a few months ago, and I'm not sure if those have resumed normal service times or not. But I think for some of the same reasons,
3: is um, that because Tuesday, of staffing or patient demand?
2: It's it's both. And so the uh, the hospital spokespeople on on Tuesday this week said that in response to the seasonal decrease in population following the summer surge. You know, they're adjusting resources and will temporarily suspend lab blood work in West Hampton and East Hampton. And, yeah. um, you know, they've also said on the record that they're interviewing phlebotomists because they have several positions to be filled. Um, and, you know, so it's a combination of those two things.
3: Well, what does that tell us? What are we going to do? We, we do have to start talking I, about yeah. affordable housing again.
2: To, <laughs> I was literally just talking to a, a friend this morning who said that, you know, she's seen um, you know, people having problems getting appointments. I actually had the opposite experience, like I needed to see two specialists and I, instead of waiting for like months and months. I got appointments next week. I called yesterday. Uh, that's never happened in, to me before, but um, you know, I just as the counterpoint to that, it, you know that's not the universal experience
0: I, I Did wonder you see how... the
2: New York, The New York Times just had a um a story
1: about the emergency situation in Canada with the nursing. Like they're they are shutting down all sorts of medical facilities because it, it's like hitting a, a, a real problem because is that where the nursing strike is happening? I don't think it's a strike. I thought I think it might just be people leaving the field. Um, I, I didn't read the, the article that closely, but it was in Canada and it's just sort of like they're in um they're in a real difficult position up there.
4: Mm. Denise, what's it like over by you? I mean, I have not heard anything like this, but that may just no. be because I don't have my ear to that part of the ground. I don't know. I can look. I'll look into that. I don't I haven't seen or heard anything like that, but that doesn't mean that's not actually happening. Sorry to say.
3: Well, in Riverhead, you don't uh, experience the intense seasonality that we do on the South Fork, do you? I, I don't um, mean the, the North I, Fork does, and I know the South Fork does. But what about Riverhead itself?
4: I mean, I would say no, I think certainly we have a preponderance of uh, full-time residents here, although the the part-time residents are and you know summer residents I think are growing. but um we, we still have more of a full- time population here. Um, and as far as you know traffic and things like that, we've got a situation where things ramp up in the fall even more than the summer. Um, so I think Tumbleweed Tuesday is really a thing of the past here because of
2: the a, um, almost a beginning. the
4: beginning, the pumpkin season. <laughs> That's and, the pumpkin and, season. And, you know, one one and, big and difference, the yes. wineries, and um, you know, it's it gets it gets crazier out here. If anything, so, um, but I mean, you know, there's been a labor shortage in general. Yeah. You know, I mean, it really has been um, college kids or no college kids. You know, the people. Well, you know people are paying you know finder's fees for for employees at right. restaurants and restaurants have had to you know cut back the, the days in which they're open because of that um i don't know about healthcare but i well, will
0: ask in, in the hospitals i mean the, you know due to, to covid and ramping up for covid and i mean you read these stories about like these traveling nurses that um mm-hmm. that leaving their full time positions and traveling from hot to Hospital to hospital to the to the highest bidder, and, and the hospitals had no choice but to pay you know pay these um, pay these higher rates for these nurses who would come in on a, a temporary three month or six month contract. And I'm wondering as as COVID is I'm knocking on wood winding down, if um, you know if that's just catching up to some of the hospitals and, and maybe the hospital down here, and that's why they have to um, maybe they just don't have those those same contracts people coming in and that creates some kind of a further staff. I, I mean, I, I, I
4: think right? it's also a function of the housing issue. Once again, you sure. know, I mean, yeah. you, don't, you don't have housing for those folks to live. And while it may be, you know, a, a place like Riverhead where we have, you know, Peconic Bay or, you know, um, Patchogue with Brookhaven Hospital with NYU now, I mean, like they those places are more accessible, an easier commute. Yeah. from people who are coming from West parts, West, you know, I mean, Riverhead is, is one thing. If you're driving from, I don't know, Babylon maybe, or central Islip or Middle Island, Southampton's another thing altogether.
0: Right. So, R- Riverhead, so. you just get off the LIE at at, yeah. at the end there and you're right here and you don't it's, have it's to it's do a, that. It's a, it's a that completely extra... different
4: commute. So I think do... that also affects their ability to recruit workers.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, we'll be looking into, into that more, I'm I'm sure, as we as we go along. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW-FM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. My co-host today is Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Michael Mackey from right here on WLIW, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, and Chrissy Sampson from the East Hampton Star. Denise, so you had some... Um, you, you you kind of inflamed uh, inflamed people with a with an editorial uh, this Ooh. on uh, on, uh, on on Riverhead Town and and following uh, secret laws and and all that. You want to talk about that a little bit?
4: Well, I mean, as of this conversation, on you know, when we're recording this, we just published it, so I don't know how many people are inflamed, um, <laughs> but um, it's, we can anticipate. I, I think it. we can be uh, predictive. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, we have just watched time and time again um, to town officials just sort of ignoring the requirements of the State Environmental Quality Review Act, and having it brought to their attention time and time again by uh, various uh, citizens who go to the podium and say, "Hey, you're not looking at cumulative impacts. You're not doing this. You're not doing." And it came to a head really in the past week or so when. The planning, the head of the planning department um, pulled out a, um, a code that a proposed code that um, would re- revise in a very significant way, but would revise the town's transfer of development rights program. And that's where people can, you know, developers, in order to get increased density where they want to build something, can buy development rights off of other land designated by the town as what they call sending areas, right? and and take those development rights and use them to increase their d- development density. And, um, it's a way to use private money to preserve farmland, uh, which is how it's been uh, used in Riverhead or how it's th- Riverhead's tried to use it. Um, we've had this development rights transfer program in place since the last master plan, um, that, or since the current master plan, which was adopted in, um, 2003, and um, you know, so the planning director comes along and says, you know, we can, we we want to revise this, and he presents a drafted code to the town board um, to, that would um, allow the developers of um, these big warehouses. Now we have on the on the already in public view, and we don't know what's not yet in public view, but um, over one million square feet of warehouse and logistics plans in Riverhead. And that doesn't count the um, 140 acre uh, industrial subdivision. Like these logistics facilities are all the rage now and everybody wants to build them, including the people that are buying the uh, Calverton Enterprise Park, where they came out with something this week saying they're going to build 600,000 square feet of these logistics uh, facilities and warehouses. Yeah, because everybody I, I guess, you know, every, all this online shopping, that's what's in demand now. So anyway, um, so he comes out and says, you know, we're going to change this code. And the town board is like, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there I'm like, wait a minute. Every time the TDR committee has come to the town board and said, please change the TDR code because it's not working and we're not preserving farmland the way we should be. Um, we need more receiving areas. The town board has always said, "Well, we have to. We can't do that without updating the comprehensive plan, and we don't have the money to do that." Now, the town got the money to do that a few years ago from a, 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 a community benefits agreement for one of these big solar production uh, facilities. And you know, signed a six hundred thousand dollar contract with a consulting firm, and the thing just languished. The town ended up um, terminating that contract, and now they're looking for another more consultants. But you know, in the meanwhile, we've lost three years, and we've got you know all kinds of development hitting us over the head here with these warehouses and apartments and solar facilities, <laughs> and it's like we don't have a we don't have a comp plan that addresses any of this. And so I'm like, all right, am I imagining this? So, like, I looked at the state law that pertains to transfer of development rights, and it clearly says you can't change, you can't create new receiving areas without updating the comprehensive plan because those are gonna have impacts. Like, if you increase development opportunities, and you know, whether it's residential or industrial or whatever. It's going to have impacts on the community and you need to assess them. But Riverhead's through, not big through, on assessing through, these things. Through,
0: <laughs> through the secret process, you have to through assess Through the
4: secret them process, them yeah. Acts. And you need to, uh, it specifically says you need to update the, the master plan. You need yeah. to, you know, you can't do it without a comp plan. And... Um, but you know, we don't seem to care anymore about this. Like I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't understand it. So, but. so in
0: your in your editorial, you called for the state attorney general to to look into this, kind of like it did in the village of Freeport, correct? Yeah,
4: to, to look at how Rivertown, Riverhead Rivertown, how Rivertown. Riverhead is um is not complying with the law because you know last month um, the state attorney general filed a lawsuit. Uh, against the village of Freeport for approving a sale of a park um, without doing secret. They right. neglected and they just pushed it along and they approved the contract, the sale for of all things to a, a developer of a warehouse facility, of course. And
0: because you and, need one more warehouse rather than a park. And, free. yeah.
4: and 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 the state AG filed this petition. I read the petition and and the supporting documents, And I'm like, well, Riverhead is Freeport on steroids. <laughs> you know And, you know, really, like what's going on here and what's been going on here continues to go on here basically because no one has the ability, the financial resources to bring legal challenges to these things. And I think that, officials have grown complacent and and are emboldened by the lack of the uh, lack of resources and, um, and that allows them to kind of just get away with this stuff so i don't know
0: well, it's so, so yeah
4: we wrote an editorial about that <laughs> well good it's, it's
0: it's so important for us to you know hold hold their their feet to the fire on on you know on, on this kind of thing and, and talk about behind the headlines that's that's what we need to do is we need to
4: so just, I, behind um, the headlines now, you know, it's not going to be easy to get interviews with certain planning officials.
0: <laughs> well,
4: it wasn't but are, before, but, you know, but, but, I mean,
0: but you that's know. an issue. We That's an issue we always face. Right. I mean, every yeah. time that that we look into something and, you know, and present, you know, present alternate sides and every time we editorialize we we run that risk of of officials not wanting to talk to us but i think they soon realize it's in their best interest and so, and we can we still
4: make- have we still have the freedom of information laws to compel them to dis, you know disclose documents to us to so that we can report that way which right. is usually more accurate anyway but anyway right. <laughs> fun times uh-huh.
3: Are secret issues uh, seem to be uh, held to by officials and municipalities on the South Fork.
0: To, to some extent, <laughs> I, I know there's. I, look, so so secret has to be um, has to be a part of every single development application, and and as Denise said, the municipality can either neg deck it, which means that they say that we don't need to go through this whole process, that there's not going to be any environmental impact or they pause decade and then they have to go through these these comprehensive studies and i know that that um our, our kitty merrill wrote a, a a story this week on on that huge um east quad development the golf course development there um you know one of the biggest developments um on the east end and, and certainly in my time um uh, out here it's, it's the uh, Discovery Land and. So I don't want to get too convoluted, but the application had originally been an application for uh, for a zone change to to the town board. And this dates back a decade or more. And the town board did the secret process at that time. Um, There was, uh, you know, final reports on on all the different um, possible environmental impacts. The, the town board then denied that application and they got rid of that zone change law and it and it came back just as a as a different kind of development application in recent years. And the developer is claiming that they can use that old secret process from a dozen years ago as the current secret process and um, environmentalists and community members are arguing against that right now. I don't know how. Uh, personally, I don't, I don't know how you look at at, at environmental impacts from a completely different plan from a dozen years ago and try to apply that to a current plan. Um, but, but that's where they're arguing and that's where the argument is, is right now. So, I mean, we're, we're certainly watching that.
4: Well, look what happened in Hampton Bays also. I mean, you know, that the whole flap with the, uh, the consultant there and the, the contract that said that, sure. oh, we, we need to neutralize the opposition. Right. Um, they, you know, they were doing that over because a resident challenged their action on grounds of not complying with secret and one.
0: Exactly. Yes.
4: So, you know,
0: and, and coming in and trying to get the, the secret process done again. And, and that, you know, and the consultant, um, so we don't but,
4: but like it. here's the thing guys like just like the foil law right there's generally speaking no one to enforce that those requirements right i mean you know the town thumbs their nose at that requirement and there, it's not like the ag comes along every time and says oh you can't do that there's no enforcement mechanism there except right. for private lawsuits and you know the developers if they see an opening in terms of lack of compliance with something like, like one of these laws, that's, they bring the lawsuits, that happens. I mean, um, and, you know, Riverhead had its TDR program invalidated when they first passed it because of they didn't follow the law with regard to um, sending the, the uh, proposal to the County Planning Commission and they had to do it over, which they did. But, you know, developers have the resources to do that. And, residents generally um, at least around here do not so Hmm.
0: Mm. and just like that we are (laughs) just like that we are out of time um and money and money (laughs) this is this has been behind the headlines and bill sutton from the express news group my co-host today and at hinkle from the express news group um Wonderful panelists, Michael Mackey from WLIWFM, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local and Chrissy Sampson from the East Hampton Star. This was a great show. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you guys next week.